Bickley and Murata mornings from 6 to 10. Bickley and Murata. It's the greatest show on earth. Bickley and Murata. Good morning and welcome. The world. Dan Bickley. Sports, man. Sports. Vince Murata. It's a power-packed morning zoo. Are you kidding me? Bickley and Murata. Bickley and Murata. I love this show. This is the greatest show in the history of radio. It's the greatest radio show ever. Bickley and Murata. I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. And off we go on a Tuesday morning. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Bickley and Murata Mornings. I am Dan Bickley. Who? You are? Yeah, I am. To my left is Vince Murata. There is the scruffy mongrel Jared Carlin (laughs) and Sarah the Ruthless reigning over the realm. I laugh at scruffy mongrel every time you say it. Kind of what he is. (laughs) Greasy beast. Yeah, he he didn't like the greasy beast thing. Speaking of of reigning over the realm, have you been watching the new Game of Thrones show? Oh, I have. Yeah, I love it. Really? Yeah, oh yeah. It's very much like it's, the old Game of Thrones. I think it's show. even better than Game of Thrones. Really? Well, Ooh. because Game of Thrones had like five different families, and it yeah. was so big in scope that they just glossed over had everything. like ten different storylines. Yeah. This yeah. is one focused This is one story very focused. And so they get into the inner dynamic. It's fabulous. It's, I'm telling you, it's really. But again, I'm, I'm kind of that dork. Right, I'm in the. I'm on the Herm Edwards Dragon Dork train. I'm glad, you, I'm glad you got that out of him last week. By the way, oh, yeah. oh, he's got, <laughs> good point. Yeah, that, we, we're gonna get out of him this week. Ran out of time. Yeah. He's got time, time to watch the uh, the yeah. new show now. Have but, you been, Have you been watching it? Jared? I have been watching it, and I like it. Yeah. yeah, okay, but not as much as I do. Not as much. I'm not. That genre, the fantasy kind of genre, I like, but it's not. I'm not crazy for it. Okay. Jared's not like asking his wife to buy him a dragon or anything. <laughs> it's not on that level. Look, anybody I, know I, a good I, I, dragon I, 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 guy? I, I don't know, but do she wants a dragon? <laughs> I don't have a connect. I need to connect. I look. I mean, somebody, somebody's got to hook me up. Since we're on entertainment viewing as a subject, you are now officially three Fletch movies behind. Oh, I heard that there's the, a new the one new out. Fletch movies I out. Well, I, I saw it. Over the weekend, and I heard you say it was good. I was surprised at how much I liked it. I did. I wasn't all that uh, intrigued by the trailer, and it's different from the original Fletch movies because Chevy Chase was way goofier than than John Hamm plays the character. But okay. it was it was a good movie. Okay, good. Uh, all right. And the original Fletch one is one of my days, favorite man. movies of all time. So. I will get caught up one of these days. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't it weird <laughs> having uh, two football games last night? Wasn't that odd? Yeah. Why did they do that? I don't know. Because they overlapped. Halfway through, right? Yeah. It wasn't. They've like, done the double headers. It's usually an early and a late. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I so, don't know why they did that. And they're going to do it a couple more times. I think. I think this was the first of maybe three Monday night double yeah. headers. Hopefully, the quality of the games on those other double headers uh. is better because that was. <laughs> but it ultimate, it, it really doesn't make sense because one was on ESPN, one was on ABC. Yeah, I, I would get it if it like okay, one was on Amazon Prime and one was on ESPN or something. No, I, but they were essentially on the same network. ESPN has the Monday night package, Jared. No, I know, but I'm saying why would why would you do that to yourself where you're with overlapping? I don't know. I yeah. don't get it either. There's I really a lot of don't. things I don't understand in this life. <laughs> and that's, that's one of them. Put that on those <laughs> Where would you put that in the I top? I will tell you uh, this. The ever-expanding football universe. Oh. The ever-expanding football universe means one thing, at least to me, that the 72 Dolphins can sleep easier and easier and easier because as, as seasons begin to extend, who's ever going to go 17? Who's ever going to be unbeaten again? 
besides this year's Bills team. <laughs> Start the show, Jarrett. The Splash. Splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The Splash. Splash. The Splash, brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. Yeah, Cardinals with a scheduled day off today before they begin practice for the first of two matchups with the defending Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams. First one Sunday at State Farm Stadium. Head coach Cliff Kingsbury said Monday that running back James Conner day-to-day with an ankle injury. Daryl Williams, Eno Benjamin filled in for Connor after the injury, combined for 113 scrimmage yards and a touchdown. So that depth coming into play in the Cardinals' first win of the uh, season. Uh, elsewhere, Las Vegas police investigating a battery complaint that states a fan hit Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray in the face. In the face! Uh, in the celebration following Arizona's 29-23 win over the Raiders. Several videos of the incident are circulating and definite contact was made. Murray, by the way, not not named as the complaining party, according to the Las Vegas Yeah, that's Police interesting. Department. So did somebody on the Cardinals file that on his behalf? Is it? Yeah, listen, I, it's going to be awful hard to prove intent because you would think that guy could just come out and say, hey, no, man, I was trying to dab him up a little bit. I just wanted to get in and yeah. show him some love. He yeah. moved and he hit his face. Right. Yeah. Right. We'll see what uh, what comes out of I that. I don't know. Yeah. It, either way, it was. Uh, yeah. Kyler's reaction was not uh, was not pleasant. <laughs> he looked like he wanted to kill somebody. He did. Yeah, <laughs> he did. Uh, a couple of snoozers on Monday Night Football last night, or Monday afternoon football here in the Valley, more accurately. Josh Allen threw for 317 yards and four touchdowns. Buffalo's defense forced four turnovers and scored a touchdown in a 41-7 route of the Tennessee Titans in Buffalo. Meanwhile, in Philadelphia, Jalen Hurts threw for 333 yards and a score, ran for two touchdowns. Eagles beat the Vikings 24-7. Eagles now 2-0, and the Vikings fall to 1-1. So uh, so my good buddy uh, Joe... I call him Joe Money. I grew up with him. He's the huge Philadelphia Eagles fan. He texted me. He, he, he's over the moon with this Eagles team. Over the moon. A lot of people are. And can I just say this? I think I told you this. I hooked up with my buddy who's an airline pilot. He flies for UPS. He's been doing it for 25 years. He gets nine weeks of vacation a year. And you wonder why they can't find any pilots to fly planes? <laughs> nine weeks of vacation. Wow. No wonder my packages are so slow to arrive. <laughs> yeah. I ordered shirts over a week ago. I still haven't yeah. got them. Right. Did you get that jersey, Vince? Uh, yeah, three get, years ago. <laughs> no, the hat. The the hat, hat. Was, uh, still haven't got the valley hat. You wait, no, did you get your money hat, back at least? No, no, no. Come on, baby. I've, I've basically punted on that. My goodness. Is it too late to change careers at this point? <laughs> That's what I was sounds, thinking. Sounds Absolutely. glorious. Yes, I know. Fly a plane, don't have to deal with passengers, right. and get nine weeks off. Nine weeks off. Oof. And um, I said, so have you ever so have you dealt with any weird stuff in your flying career, like near disasters or murder? No, no, for, it's been fun. Castaway ca- type of situation. Not, ever encounter a dragon <laughs> flying by? Perhaps? My dad always wanted me right. to work for UPS. Right. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach Todd Bowles confirmed reports that uh, quarterback Tom Brady will not participate in any Wednesday practice for the rest of the season. Uh, when reached for comment, Cardinals wide receiver DeAndre. Hopkins said, so, big deal. <laughs> Speaking of the Bucks, wide receiver Mike Evans got slapped with a one-game suspension for his part in an on-field brawl with New Orleans Saints DB Marshawn Lattimore in Tampa Bay Sunday win in New Orleans. Second time in Evans' career that he's been suspended for a run-in with Lattimore. The first came in 2017. And the Buccaneers are now depleted in the wide receiver room with Evans' suspension and injuries to Chris Godwin and Julio Jones. 
signing former Bills slot receiver Cole Beasley, according to reports this morning. San Francisco 49ers uh, quarterback Trey Lance had surgery Monday to repair a fibula fracture and a ligament disruption in his right ankle, an injury suffered in Sunday's 27-7 win over the Seahawks. Lance out for the remainder of the year. Jimmy Garoppolo, the starter. Rookie Brock Purdy, who attended Perry High and Gilbert, is the backup. Ah. Mr. Irrelevant. Mm, oh, uh, that's in, right. Interim that's ASU right. head coach Sean Aguano held his first press conference after being named the replacement for Herm Edwards. Uh, Aguano says he likes the challenge of facing a string of three straight-ranked teams. We'll see how that works out. Devils will host 13th-ranked Utah Saturday night at Sun Devil Stadium, then travel to USC before taking on uh, Washington in Tempe in the second weekend of October. Uh, by the way, more fallout from that Eastern Michigan game on Saturday, Bick? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they ran the table when it came to Mac Weekly Awards. They won them all. <laughs> running back Samson Evans won the offensive honor after running for 258 yards. Kempton Shine took the defensive trophy, and the kicker, Jesus Gomez, won the special teams war. Evans, again, 258 yards. As it stands right now, that's 29% of his career yardage total came in one game, and he's played in 20 games for that team. That's how bad it was. That's insane. Chris Taylor's three-run home run off Merrill Kelly highlighted a four-run fourth inning for the Dodgers their 5-2 series opening win over the uh, D-backs last night in L.A. Clayton Kershaw continued his mastery of Arizona allowing just one run over six innings while striking out ten in the win. In his last two starts against the D-backs, Kershaw has allowed one run over 13 innings with 15 strikeouts. D-backs are now 3-12 and against the Dodgers. Good news! They get to play two today. First oh, game good. will be at 12-10. Uh, Zach Davies against Michael Grove. You can hear that one on ESPN 620 AM and 98.7 FM HD2. Here's then they'll take a few week. hours off before the night game, oh, seven ten, Dre Jamison against Tyler Anderson. In that okay, one. here's a quick stat for you. I'm sure you've seen this. The Dodgers are 58 games over 500 at the moment. The Royals have won 58 games all season. The Tigers 56, the Pirates 55, the A's 53, the Nationals 51. Goodness they are gracious. more games over 500 than one, two, three, four, five baseball teams. 14 wow. and two. If they finish 14 and two, they tie the all-time win record. It's possible. They just don't lose. Uh, also of note today with the D-backs, Jill Guerin, who is the play by play voice of their single-A affiliate in Visalia in the in the organization will become the first female play-by-play announcer in franchise history today. She's scheduled to call the third, fourth, and fifth innings of the first game of today's doubleheader nice. in L.A. And you can hear that on ESPN right 620 AM. Yeah. Well, yeah. not right here, but yeah. here. Part of the family. Part of the yeah. family, right. Down the hall, you can hear it. And Max Scherzer made his first starts in suffering a strained oblique in early September. Through six perfect innings, the Mets beat Milwaukee 7-2 to clinch a playoff spot for the first time in six years. It was uh, Scherzer's 200th career win, and he got pulled in a perfect game after 68 pitches. And anybody who's making a comment about it is being just shut down by Mets fans. We've got bigger fish to fry. Yeah, you kind of understand that, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it is a perfect game. It is a perfect game. Do you mess with it? They messed with it. But you know what? I like the decision. Because the Mets, with that pitching, if they're both on, they might be the team that topples the Dodgers in the playoffs. That'd be a good series. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. There's By your the splash. Way, I played uh, Timmy Trumpet, dude, for uh, my kids in the car yeah. over the weekend. They love it. They, they were kind of ambivalent about it. Uh, but I played the actual song. What is it? Narco? Narco, is yeah. Called? yeah. With Blaster Jacks. <laughs> 
You are so hip. Which sounds like a uh, a family amusement it park does. that might have bumper <laughs> cars. Yeah, where you go get, get on bumper cars. Dad, and, can and, we go to Blaster Jacks this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> Play a little mini golf. Yeah. Yeah. Mini golf. Yeah, extreme mini golf because it ends in two X's, you know. Yeah. Uh, there you go. There's your splash for thir- uh, Tuesday. Oh, Thursday. Sorry. Oh, Sorry about the teaser. Tuesday, yeah, September really? 20th. Coming up next Cardinals, they're at 500. Are they fooling people or is this legit? We'll get into it next. It's Pickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Dan Bickley and Vince Marotta. Bickley and Marotta mornings. No, with who we're playing, uh, we definitely have moved on and getting ready for the next game, division game. and um, So it didn't take long to refocus and, and uh, get our attention on that. That's Cliff Kingsbury, head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Yesterday, the day after, this team stormed back in the second half to beat the uh, Las Vegas Raiders 29-23 in overtime in just one of a handful of crazy games in Week 2 in the NFL. It was arguably I, the craziest. I Listen, you, I use that as my lead in my column that the NFL was drunk on Sunday. I'm almost embarrassed how many people use that phrase. I, I apologize for being so pedestrian, first of all. Well, it was everywhere. You, maybe you started it. <laughs> you know? Maybe they were like, hey, Bickley used oh, he, it. Oh, yeah, so it's cool. But it, it really was an insane week, and through two weeks of the NFL season, uh, the first 32 games I saw this, the favorite is won 16 times, the underdog is won 16 times. That's parody. Yeah. <laughs> Which the NFL is just loving right oh, now. Oh, my goodness. Um, talk about moving on. That's the correct attitude to have. Coaches say it all the time. Players say it all the time. What's it with 24 hours? You got 24 hours to celebrate. You got 24 hours to mourn, whatever you want to do. And then it's time to move on. Um, there is a lot of work to be done with this football team still. Uh, I was impressed with the defense in the second half. However, you have to consider what was going on offensively with the Las Vegas Raiders. Were they in cruise control at that point? Up 20. I mean, that is a franchise, and I'm sure this was not going through the minds of the individual players on the Raiders, but yeah. they've been around for a really long time and had never blown a 20-point halftime lead, uh, ever. I, yeah, I actually went back and, and rewatched the game yesterday, and you can see the noticeable difference in the lack of urgency of the Raiders on offense. They powered down. I, and and I'm not trying to take anything away from the Cardinals, and that's really a shameful thing for an 0-1 team to do, but I, I think if you watch that first half and you compared it to that Cardinals Chiefs game, I'm sure the Raiders went into the locker room thinking this thing is over. Mm-hmm. They're not they can't even move the ball. They're not coming back. And I think the Raiders probably felt they were up twenty eight zip instead of twenty to zip and they were in they were vulnerable. And the Cardinals came back and bit them. But I, I'm telling you, if you go back and watch it again with the perspective of the outcome, you see a noticeable difference in the tempo and the lack of intensity from the Raiders. It's it jumps off the screen at you. Absolutely. And and couple that with an increase in intensity and probably a lot of frustration in the second half from the Cardinals when they came out uh, to, to play down 20. They had played six straight horrible quarters of football. They were being called in, in real time on social media, maybe the worst team in the league. Not that that affected them, but they had to be thinking, what's going on here? Oh, yeah. we, we thought we were way better than this. So oh, yeah. it was a combination of things. But Put me very squarely, Bick, in the I'm still very wary of this team. I picked them to be an eight-win team. I'm not moving off of that. 
You should. I, I love uh, I love slash hate gauging power rankings every week in the NFL because there are outlets again that are buying in. Pete Prisco from CBSSports.com moved the Cardinals up nine spots. Nine spots from twenty one to twelve. That's a big jump. It is. They are one and one, yes, but look deeper into the ingredients of that one and one, and they've still played six out of eight, almost seven out of eight. They they weren't any great shakes in the third quarter in that game either. No, and again, as fun as it was to watch Kyler Murray do what he did on Sunday, and as mind-boggling as it was because it was just stuff you don't see in the NFL, you can't count on that kind of performance week after week after week after week. It's just not going to happen. Defenses will find a way to kind of control him and make other players step up. So I'm with you. I am extremely leery and skeptical still, and and that's why I think this Sunday's game is a great referendum. Yeah, this is a chance to wash away all those home struggles yep. against a team that has really handed you your lunch. I mean, yep. outside of that first game in L.A. last year early in the season, but that's when the Cardinals were buttoned up. Uh, they were really like they were a well-oiled machine for the first seven weeks of the season, and they took care of the Rams in L.A. But that was that's been the outlier. The Sean McVay Rams against the Arizona Cardinals has been a one-sided affair. It's yeah. been like windshield and bug. It indeed, and I think that one of the things that that I did. You, you have to ask yourself, really, what is transferable about, about what we witnessed on Sunday? I've heard a lot of people talk about how hard the Cardinals were playing in the second half and down the stretch and through overtime. That's the Kyler Murray effect. When you get a quarterback making those kind of individual plays, it ramps up the effort level of everybody because they're inspired by it, because they don't want because they got to get on board with it. They've got to kind of match what their quarterback is doing. That's the leadership by example thing. But again, I, I don't know whether or not this was just a perfect storm for the Cardinals mm-hmm. in terms of finally catching some rhythm and and catching a Raiders team that had just powered down or whether that was sort of like uh, their preseason, six quarters of wretched NFL football, and then they finally found something in the second half. We're going to find out. I, I like you. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be terribly surprised if we came in on Monday and we're dealing with another blowout loss. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Cardinals won the game based on the fact that they actually found something in the second half. I don't know which way this team is going to go. Yeah, but I, I can say the same thing about the Rams, Super Bowl champions. That was last year. They have not looked champion-like in the first two weeks of the season. Got blown out uh, when they were celebrating getting their rings by Buffalo, who is clearly the best team in the league right yeah. now. And they almost blew a 25-point lead to the Falcons on, on Sunday. So I, I, don't, I don't know where the Rams are either. But either. the question you have to ask with the Cardinals, too, is... The ingredients of that win, the style of that win, to come back, to go to overtime in such a dramatic win, what does that do to a team? And Cliff Kingsbury told Wolf and Luke yesterday, hey, there is value in coming back in, in a win like that. There is, yeah, to be able to overcome some of the things that, that really self-inflicted, like we were talking about earlier, self-inflicted wounds. And um, they have a great team. And to spot them that type of lead and then be able to fight back and see what can happen when you execute at a high level, when you stick together and you continue to fight, that, that could uh, serve us well moving forward, hopefully. We'll see if that momentum carries over. Uh, again, you've been, you've been bad at home. You've been bad against the Rams. It's kind of a, a chance to slay tr- two dragons at once on Sunday. There we go. Dragons, uh, baby. Dragons. <laughs> Keep it coming. Way to work it in. <laughs>
<laughs> and you say you don't watch the show. <laughs> don't tell anybody. Right. Uh, we spitting fire today. Oh. <laughs> I'm done. Tomorrow we'll have a dragon reference too. It'll be uh, about Jarrett Jarrett's ass. Dragon will be. And his merry band of ass dragons. Week three of Bix Picks is underway. Text pick to six twenty six twenty to sign up and compete against Dan Bickley for your chance at the grand prize, a seventy five inch TV. Courtesy of Corona Extra, weekly winners will receive an NFL jersey of their choice and a $50 gift card to Cold Beers and Cheeseburgers. Just text PICK to 620-620 to enter. By the way, on the subject of PICKs, Survivor Series, yeah. three of the four of us scored points this week. Who is 0 Jared got on the board. Uh, he got the Rams. I picked Denver, so I've hit two in a row. Bick, you got Green Bay. So I'm one in a row. Sarah picked Cincinnati. Ooh. Yeah. But I've got a two-point lead after two weeks. Uh-oh. Oh, I'm going to be tough to beat this year. <laughs> you're going to be obsessed with it. The hours you are going to be spending researching and yeah. mapping out. You yeah. know me. Uh-huh. Uh, coming, uh-huh. By the way, I put zero research into my Pac-12 fantasy team. Dominant 3-0 and so nice. far. Nice. Uh, coming up next, Monday Night Football. We definitely saw two sides of the coin when it comes to quarterback play. We'll get into that next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Marks. Bills have McKenzie and Kumaro lined up left side on second down. The snap to Josh. Going to throw it to Diggs. Bobbles makes the catch into the end zone. Touchdown, Buffalo. Stephon Diggs, the hat trick. His third touchdown for the Bills. And they are rolling now. And the gun is Hurts. Sanders behind him. This time, Hurts gives it off. And he runs with the football and keeps it and takes it across the five and rolls down to the two. And is he in? Yes! He is. Touchdown, Jalen Hurts. That's magic. A great fake to Sanders. And then he kept it and ran around the right end and took it 26 yards for a touchdown. At WGR on the Bills, highlight WIP in Philadelphia, the... Uh incomparable Merrill Reese on the call of that Jalen Hurts touchdown run. Yeah. Uh, last night, look, I, I said it, two snoozers on Monday Night Football, but if you go deeper than the score and the mm-hmm. quality of the games, we saw a study in quarterbacks. We did. Josh Allen is on a different planet right now. The Bills basically are on a different planet. A team that looks uh, like it's going to be really hard to slow down. They suffered two uh, apparently serious injuries in the secondary yesterday to uh, Jackson and Micah Hyde, and nothing really wavers with, with that team. 41-7 to yeah. over the team that was the number one seed in the AFC last year. People oh. forget that. Oh, they just, and it, was, it wasn't even close. The Bills are just, they're cooking with oil right now. They're, 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 they're everything. They've got an incredible defense. They've got a quarterback who, at, at right now, is the MVP of the league. Um, and they've, they, they look like a football team yeah. on a mission. They're a lot of fun to watch. Say that. They, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, um, the, the other game, one of the storylines on the positive side, Jalen Hurts and what he's doing in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Through two weeks of this season, in terms of elevation of quarterback play and the buzz that they're creating... I find it interesting that it's two guys who used to be teammates at Alabama. What Tua did in week two, six touchdown passes to, to, to bring Miami back 
uh, and beat Baltimore. And Jalen Hurts, yeah. I think those are the two guys that have increased their stock the most. And I love Jalen Hurts so as, 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 yeah. as a field general. Man, I love the way that guy plays. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I've been I've um, I've been bullish on him from the moment he walked into the league. I think there's a leadership element to him that is elite, and I think his athleticism is great. He became the first player in NFL history to throw for at least 300 yards, complete at least 80 percent of his passes, and rush for multiple touchdowns in a game, um, which is quite something. The Eagles looked elite. The Bills looked elite. That's good for football. You're talking about two great mm-hmm. fan bases. And like you said, there was a very clear delineation between quality of quarterbacks here. Well, you, uh, on the losing side, I'm sorry. I didn't that, mean to well, cut you yeah, off. That's it. On the losing side, you've got a couple of guys who are pretty good. But I think the realization, and last night was more evidence to it, Good, really good will only get you so far in this league. But not pretty good consistently. Yeah, it's, right. It evens out to pretty good because they're either awesome or they're terrible. Yeah. And it was both Ryan Tannehill and Kirk Cousins last night in that, I, uh, in that group. Yeah, listen, I thought um, I thought a couple things, too. I thought the way, it, uh, to translate it to what we saw on Sunday with the Cardinals, the way that Byron Murphy Jr. really shadowed and shut down Devontae Adams, Darius Slay had more interceptions than catches allowed up against Justin Jefferson. I did not expect that. He basically slayed. He did. He mm-hmm. he, he was bussing last night. <laughs> mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins has got a terrible history on Monday Night Football, and, and I think there's just that realization both in Tennessee and in Minnesota that, that we can have all this other stuff, but we're only going to get so far. And now you wonder, where is Jimmy Garoppolo? Is Jimmy Garoppolo that guy, too? Is he in that category as well? We talked about this a lot during the build-up to Kyler Murray's new contract. What a disservice you do your franchise when you pay franchise quarterback money to a guy who is just good. Like Kirk, and Kirk Cousins yeah. and Ryan Tannehill are like the two biggest and best examples. And Carson Wentz is like that, and Jimmy G maybe is like that. You're right. Baker Mayfield is another I, one. I'm not going to put Jimmy G in that in that group because he's actually accomplished something. They've won playoff games with Jimmy G. Well, the Titans have won playoff games. They haven't made a Super Bowl. They haven't been to as many conference championships as the 49ers have. Now, uh, the head coach of the Vikings last night wasn't pinning that loss on, on Kirk Cousins. Kevin O'Connell says, this is on me. You know, I put, I put this one on me. Um, I put this one on me. I don't think I did enough for our team in-game. And, and obviously, I, I think our plan, uh, we felt good about our plan. They did some things defensively uh, and just seemed to, seemed to kind of push us to the point where we just needed to make that one or two uh, plays on a drive to kind of get going and see if we could potentially finish. I, I do mean it. I do feel like this one's on me, and I, I, I told our team that uh, you know I'm going to work like crazy to make sure that this does not happen again, and uh, we're, I have no doubt we'll be prepared and ready to respond um, like the way I know we will. Now on the flip side, Nick Sirianni, the head coach of the Eagles, he propped up his quarterback, Jalen Hurts. Yeah, it was a big-time performance by him. Um, you know, obviously in the run game and in the past in the past game, he, great run. He had, he, the, the, both of his touchdown runs were outstanding runs, really. The one, I know it was only four yards out, but it reminded me of that New Orleans one he made last year. So, uh, big-time performance and a big-time stage. Yeah, he's not lying. Hurts is, is really good. And going mm-hmm. back to what you said about his leadership, and it stood yeah. out to me, if you go back to that national championship game, remember when Tua, as a freshman, came off the bench and he hit Devontae Smith on that touchdown to, be, to beat Georgia? Oh, I do. That the reaction of Jalen Hurts, and I remember talking about it the next morning on the show. I was like, wow, it wasn't about him. And he didn't make it about him, but his reaction to be a good teammate at that point. Yes, he finished his career elsewhere. That's just the state, uh, the, the nature of college football right now. Right. But his 
His leadership was was on point there. Yep. And Nick Sirianni, him talking about that. What a weapon he is. And we talk about, you know, especially locally, Kyler Murray running the football, avoiding contact. That's the right that's the right strategy for him. Two plays near the goal line last night, Jalen Hurts just lowers the shoulder and drives people into the end zone because he is I would bet the strongest quarterback in the league. He's a he's like a power lifter. Did you know that? Yeah, uh, yeah, he's yeah, he's quite something. I'm uh, look. I'm real bullish on this Eagles team. I think they're the best team in the NFC. You said it wrong. It's Eagles. Eagles. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I G G L E S Eagles. I know all about it, bud. Um, so this is uh, because there were a lot of questions about Philadelphia coming out of Week One. They they lit up the scoreboard against Detroit, but they allowed the Lions to come back and, mm-hmm. and kind of get that game close at the end of it and people were having a hard time understanding what it all meant. That's a great performance for the Eagles. Yes, but also go back to week one now and, and look at what Detroit did in week two against Washington. That is a potent offense. Yeah. Yes, it they is. They score a lot of yeah. points. So yeah. maybe it wasn't that bad of a performance to get a road win against uh, against Detroit. In, in, you cannot in stop Dan Campbell's Lions, man. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, do you see the, the what the the big story this weekend off of their victory that they had this guy on the practice squad for like years who's just been kind of a a guy who's always done what's ever been asked and he got start, he, he had to start a game and started an offensive guard and did really well and it created this great weepy scene in the locker room. It's the Lions, man. They got America's heart, brother. <laughs> well, the Lions are certainly not playing like they got one butt cheek and three toes. <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> right. that quote. That is funny. They do anything this year. That quote's uh-huh. going to pop up more. Uh-huh. Uh, have you subscribed to the Bickley Marauder podcast? Might. <laughs> he might have one butt cheek and three toes. <laughs> Freak. Look, I'm on the record as having two butt cheeks. <laughs> and all ten toes. Uh, and all ten toes. Yes. Okay. Uh, Subscribe to the Bickley and Murata podcast right now on your iPhone or Android. Never miss any of the show. It's brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams, Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Coming up next, the changing of the guard, at least temporarily, for ASU football. We'll tell you what their new coach, Sean Aguano, had to say in his first press conference next. Bickley and Murata mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Dan Bickley and Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata mornings, 98. 7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Now, with that opportunity, uh, you got to go make sure that you can keep that opportunity. And so and that's my plan. I also want to make sure that I can keep my coaches and families at Arizona State, too. I mean, that's, that's on my back, too. And uh, I want to make sure that we can keep our kids at Arizona State with, with this transfer portal and everything. So we need to make sure that... We do a great job in the next 10 weeks, so there is no change, and that's my goal. That's Sean Aguano, the interim head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils. He addressed the media yesterday uh, for the rest of the season. We'll be joined by Sean Aguano on Fridays on this show. Uh, after the somewhat surprising news that, that transpired over the weekend with Herm Edwards, I mean, we talked to Herm on Friday. I never once expected, first of all, I didn't expect them to lose to Eastern Michigan in the fashion that they did. But even if that were to happen, I didn't think there would be a change made. So I'm still a little surprised. surprised, I don't know how how surprised other people were. I thought thought that game, when I saw that result, was, but this was sort of your position going into the year. You were convinced that they were going to let him ride this thing out. Um, That loss, I think that rose to the level of got to do something right now. Yeah, and they did. They did make that. Uh, and, and for Sean Aguano, and he, he talked about this in his press conference yesterday too, Bick. It's 
It's such a bittersweet thing because uh, he's obviously trying his best to run with an opportunity. And that's what coaching is for a lot of these guys is you just want an opportunity to do it. Here's mm-hmm. a guy who locally helped build and, and is you know responsible for building Chandler High School into a powerhouse, played uh, the state championships. A lot of guys that are now in the NFL have been in the NFL. So he gets this opportunity to jump to ASU, and that opportunity is granted by Herm Edwards. So there's the bittersweet part of it. Hey, you're the new head coach, but you're replacing a guy who gave you this opportunity at the college level. But I listened to most of the 35 minutes of the press conference from Sean Aguano yesterday, and I yeah. liked what he had to say. It mm-hmm. was for for um, a fan base, the Sun Devil fan base that is, you know, at a low point right now. Yeah, I think he said a lot of the things that they needed to hear. Yeah, oh yes, and and I think he hit all the talking points. One, um, he's from here and he's proud of it, and he's going to make sure that he recruits the state well uh, if he gets the job. Um, yeah, listen, I, I wonder what the, what effect this is going to be because part of me wonders if you really did have all this fresh energy and you really did have no lingering clouds of distraction of this investigation and you go back to what Herm Edwards said about this football team about a month ago when he's telling everybody to come out to practice, you're going to see energy, we're going to surprise some people. Why was this team so susceptible to that upset? Why were they so poorly coached? That That's almost a, as bad of a look as anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because, there, there was because Herb Edwards, he actually had an opportunity here to put a different kind of feel to the ending of his tenure at ASU. He did, in my opinion. Yes, and 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 that got squandered. I mean, that what happened against Eastern Michigan? I mean, I just I am still stunned that that team could roll into Tempe and dominate the way it did. Yeah, it, it shows up in, on the scoreboard as a nine point victory. That did not tell the story of that game. ASU had no juice from from the get-go. It could have been worse. The way they ran the football, it's one thing to lose. And we've seen it in in this, you know, and we've had a lot of upsets. Mm -hmm. But you've seen it with, you know, fluky plays or a a break here. That was just physical domination. And and that shouldn't happen to a Pac-12 team against a a MAC team. By the way, that was the first ever MAC victory against a Pac-12 team. That shows you something. It's, it's probably yeah. the biggest regular season win in Eastern Michigan Without history. Without a doubt. And it came against a downtrodden ASU team. That sh- shows you the, the difference between the, the two programs and conferences. But it also shows you the weirdness that you guys were kind of pointing out yesterday. Let's suppose ASU pulled a comeback and eked out a victory over Eastern Washington. Herm Edwards is probably still the head coach. Like the fact that it was just, you know, sort of teetering on whether they won or lost that game. Is very weird with all the stuff surrounding her. Yeah, and my stance I, listen, remains like it, they opted to keep Herm Edwards uh, after last year, which you can make the argument for they won eight games. All right. They collapsed down the stretch. They had an opportunity to seize control in the Pac-12 South mm-hmm. when it was still a thing, mm-hmm. and they didn't do it, and they faded down the stretch. And you add on the investigation. So my my thought was, hey, he's coming back. They're going to let him ride this out until the investigation results are released. Yeah. So that means no hot seat, and that changed over the course of 60 minutes on Saturday. He might have been fired after the game. I mean, if you, watch, if you watch that video, there was it was a lot of weirdness. And and I think that um, I, I with all due respect, 
Deshaun Aguano, and and you do like in underdog stories, and you would love to see a local coach who built a high school power locally, who's got a lot of charisma, take this opportunity and run with it. But I'm telling you, this is really a crossroads for this football program because they really have to decide what they want to be when it comes to football. And, and they've got to stop this. We're going to go reinvent the wheel. We are going to find a side door and a trap door and a different methodology. That doesn't work in college football. The recipe is is very, very clear. If you're going to be a powerhouse in college football, it takes tons of commitment. It takes tons of resources. It takes a very pricey coaching staff. You've got to have the right guy at the top. You've got to have the right recruiting arm. ASU, for a minute, had it seemingly had it locked in. And and they got burned. They got burned because they had some assistants who went rogue, who got real brazen with their recruiting. And then they and they had a head coach who either saw it and looked the other way, didn't know what was happening, was was enough removed that he 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 could have plausible deniability. That ain't it. You are either in this game or you're not in this game. And so I'm curious what Michael Crow feels having this experience for a minute of feeling like your program is turning a corner only to get burned by hyper-aggressive, over-competitive, rule-breaking coaches. Yeah. And so they got to decide, how, how big do we want to go? Matt Rule is probably going to get fired in Carolina. I hadn't even thought about that until you brought that up yesterday. That's a very appealing candidate, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, and the timing of this, too, to do this through three games, does it give you a head start? Well, yeah, it does give you a head start if you're hiring somebody who's currently not coaching. Like a Tom Herman has come up, and Tom Herman is working for CBS Sports right now. Mm-hmm. It's similar to Arizona when they made the coaching move and hired Rich Rodriguez. They got a head start on yeah, everybody and didn't right. let Rich Rodriguez really hit the market because he was working as a broadcaster. But if you're going to have this widespread search, making this firing right now doesn't really do you much good because you have to wait for employment situations to clear up unless you're going to go back channels and oh, stuff like no, that. Oh, no. No, I think it does do you good. I, it gives you time to just get your act together. And, and no one but, else is available right but, now. But, but what if you Nebraska. want to hire a coach who's currently got a job? Oh, but, but again, it, you know how slow ASU moves in these situations. It's going to take them a while to, to figure all this out. How much are we going to pay? Who are we going to interview when it comes time? What are we going to do? You can back channel some of this stuff. Well, I, yeah. I think there are definite advantages to doing it. But now. let me be uh, let me be the guy that shares the harrowing reality of the situation. Okay. All right. And you know I've rooted for this program uh, passionately for over forty years. Mm-hmm. You can hire the right guy, but you're never going to be a national powerhouse unless you are prepared to pay that guy mm-hmm. in upwards of $10 million yes. a year. Yes. That's the currency. Herm Edwards was making three point something per year. And that's just you, the head coach. You can't compete. Then you've got to fund an NIL mechanism. An NIL mechanism, a mm-hmm. staff that a is staff. commensurate with the head mm-hmm. coach. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to have to keep, you're probably going to have to keep, um, keep changing and upgrading your facilities because what was great five years ago is a little out of date now. Yeah. It's a massive undertaking. And absolutely. You decide that. And if you hit, hit on the right guy, another name that comes up is Kenny Dillingham, who's currently the OC at, at Oregon. He's got ties to Arizona. He's from here. He's 32 years old. You give him the opportunity. Let's say he's a great head coach. Guess what happens? Somebody from the SEC comes, comes knocking <laughs> in three years and says, hey, I want to make right. $8 million a year. Right. Bye-bye. Right. I always go back to the Lute, Lute Olsen example. Lute Olsen 
was plucked by uh, Arizona in the early 80s after success at Iowa, and everybody in the in the sport went, wait, what is he doing? Iowa's a Final Four team, and he's going to Arizona. They're the dregs. And he said, I'm going to build a program in Tucson, Arizona. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to turn down every job offer, and I'm going to stay for 20 years. And look what happened. That is such a rare advantage for a for a program to have at the college level. But that's a different era of... College I mean, more sports recently, too. right here. At, I mean, Charlie Turner Thorne did the same thing to a lesser degree, not as much success yeah. as Lute Olson had, but built a very successful, respected program and turned down job offers along the way. Yeah, what Lute Olson did was was not only Titanic; it was very, very rare. Mm-hmm. I mean, turning down Kentucky to stay in Tucson. Yes. Yeah, that uh, listen, I have nothing but respect for what Lute Olson did. I mean, it just it's unbelievable the 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 scope of what he built. I don't I I don't think it's appreciated enough in the valley. I don't think enough people even know about what Lute Olson did for that program. Cuz it was so long ago now. Yeah, listen, I I don't think ASU wants to be in that lane. I really don't. They don't act like a school that wants to be in that lane. They want college football to be less expensive and easier. Is what they want. Yeah, which is it's going the opposite. It's not it doesn't want that. Yeah, it's not going to happen. So it, it's so these are decisions they're going to have to make. Yeah, they seem more concerned with what it should be, what they want it to be, rather than what it actually is. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah, the irony of it right. too is, is five years ago they launched this whole pro model, and now part of part of the uh, model in college football is you can pay athletes, and they're unprepared to do that. And, Wait, and listen, and I, part of me admires Michael Crow's mentality that hey, you know what? I I love these wrestlers and these gymnasts and these swimmers. I want the best for all these programs. I don't want to put these football players on a on a, a pedestal that's ten, you know, hundred feet above these yeah, other but kids. If, but that's college football. If you don't have football, you don't have wrestlers, you don't have swimmers, you don't have hammer throwers. <laughs> you know, that's the way it works. Coming up next, Kyler Murray was a superhero in the second half on Sunday, and that was certainly a good thing. But long term, does he need to be that every week for the Cardinals to be successful? We'll get into that and more next. Pickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.